Hey, welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Dave, and I just want to invite you to settle in for an awesome word that we have from Pastor Desiree Esslinger on trust. Glad I get to be up here today. I'm actually very uh, thankful right now that... I have my voice. Uh, we had the fall festival yesterday, and I was screaming and cheering for kids so much at our station. We were running the balloon pop station, and, and it was so much fun, and we had kids nonstop, and I was cheering so much that um, I was a little worried that I was going to lose my voice today, and I wouldn't be standing here. So thank God I'm here. I have my voice, and, uh, and I get the opportunity to share with you, something that I feel like the Lord has really placed on my heart and something he's been working in my heart uh, at the same time. So we're going to start today reading Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, and I hope, it's going to be up on the screens here, I actually hope you'll read it along with me. This should be somewhat familiar to you. You may have heard this before. So would you join me in reading Proverbs 3, 5 to 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All right. Is there anyone here that would agree with me that sometimes trust is hard? Anybody? I need your feedback here today, so work with me. Anyone here that you would say trust is hard? It can be a challenge. Sometimes it's hard. Okay. That there are a lot of times trusting God is hard. Anybody here? Trusting God, not always easy to do. I'm not necessarily referring to the trust that says, yeah, I, I trust that there is God, there is God, I trust that he's real, I trust that he saved me, uh, that fundamental trust in him, though for some in the room that might also be a challenge. Um, but the trust I'm talking about is a trust that says, God, I trust that you're faithful. God, I trust that you're good. God, I trust that you're going to speak to me. God, I trust that you're going to lead me. God, I trust that you are my healer. God, I trust that you are my provider. God, I trust you with my family. God, I trust you with my circumstances. God, I trust you with my job. This is the kind of trust I'm talking about. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. God, I trust you in the middle of a global pandemic. There's a big one. Now, I've been uh, on a bit of a journey the last couple of weeks. Um, and through this message, I want to I share with you a little bit of my story and my journey. Um, it's kind of a fun one, so I'm excited to share it. And it started with me having a need for an answer. Anyone ever have a question? You need an answer from God. God, would you just speak to me, please? I need to know. I need to know. And uh, so I had a question. It was, it was regarding a, uh, a decision. And I said, God, I need an answer. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It caused me a lot of wrestling. And, and there's confusion sometimes. And there's uncertainty. And, and what do I do? And uh, And it's just we really need an answer from God about something. And I feel like the Lord led me 
to fast and to pray. Fast and to pray. Now, if you are um, maybe not so familiar with the idea and principle of fasting, um, I'm not talking about fasting um, for the sake of a diet. I'm not talking about intermittent fasting, which is kind of one of those things that's the big thing to do right now. Um, That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about biblical fasting. Jensen Franklin uh, says it like this, very simply, fasting is refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. When a hunger and a thirst for God, for his answer, are greater than the natural desire for food. It's a principle, it's a discipline, and it's something that leads to spiritual breakthrough. It leads to hearing what you need to hear when you need to hear it. It's a principle. And so I felt like God was saying, okay, you need an answer. What you need to do is you need to pray and you need to fast. And I felt like he was saying, two days, 48 hours, I want you to pray and fast about this. Okay, God, I can do that. 48-hour fast. Now going into this fast, I felt like the Lord whispered one simple question to me. And he said this. He said, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Now I'm going to pause the story for a minute. I'm going to leave you hanging for a little bit. And we're going to jump into the word. Uh, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19? 1 Kings chapter 19. If you don't have your Bible uh, or you can't see, grab your phone. You can use the YouVersion app so you can read along with me. I'm going to read a, a good portion of scripture today, and I hope you'll, you'll join me in reading. Um, while you're flipping there, I'm just going to give you a little bit of context as to what we're reading and what's been going around this scenario. So the portion of scripture we're going to read is about Elijah, prophet of God. And this is a point where he is fleeing and he is running to Mount Sinai. Why is he doing that, you might ask? Well, here's the context. So Elijah is a prophet during the time of King Ahab. Okay, King Ahab, not a good king. Not good. Uh, he is a man who is not following after God. He has no desire to follow anything that God says. In fact, he usually does the opposite of anything and everything that God says. And he happens to be married to a woman named Jezebel. Not a nice lady. Okay? In fact, she is a terrible lady. And uh, so what happens is Elijah is called to prophesy during this time. And one of the things that he prophesies during uh, King Ahab's reign is that there's going to be a drought. There's going to be a drought in the land. And King Ahab isn't too happy about this. And Elijah is accurate. There's a drought. It lasts three years. And Ahab, again, very not happy with Elijah that he has prophesied this over the land, that he is causing trouble, that he, he's literally called a troublemaker uh, in scripture. Ahab calls him that. And uh, during that time, Ahab is trying to uh, track him down and, and capture him, and he's just not happy. Okay, so now this drought has lasted three years, and Elijah comes out of the woodworks, and he issues a challenge. He issues a challenge. Now, King Ahab and Jezebel, they worship all these false gods, and they have all of these prophets of these false gods. There's about 850 of them, prophets of Baal, prophets of Asherah, and what Elijah decides to do is he says, I'm going to challenge you. We're going to see 
who is stronger. We're going to see who can bring the rain, who can bring the rain. And so Elijah has this challenge. They have this huge thing up on a mountain and want to take a guess at who wins? (laughs) Elijah wins. These prophets are completely and utterly embarrassed. There is no response, obviously, from their gods. And not only are they completely embarrassed and come, come up empty, but then Elijah goes a step further and he takes them all out. This is not just a prophet who speaks with his words. He takes them all out. Catch my meaning here, okay? And after he does this, King Ahab, if he wasn't happy before, you can imagine how angry he is now, right? This is the guy that just took out 850 of his prophets and embarrassed him to pieces. And this is where we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Well, that's nice. (laughs) Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough. I'm done, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. Okay, we're going to keep going. Everybody with me still? You with me so far? We're going to keep going. Here we go. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord said to him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose but the lord was not in the wind after the wind there was an earthquake but the lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake there was a fire but the lord was not in the fire and after the fire there was a sound of a gentle whisper when elijah heard it he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and a voice said What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel, they have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came. 
and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hatziel to be king of Aram, then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hatziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. Okay, so here we have Elijah. Elijah, a God-fearing man. In our vernacular, the way we would speak today, he is a good Christian man following God, called of God, doing exactly what he's been called to do. And he is hated and he is exhausted on every single level, physically, spiritually, emotionally, completely exhausted and very much alone and and facing threats against his life. What do you do? If you're Elijah, what do you do? You have some decisions to make. You have some decisions to make. Now, I believe that Elijah trusted God completely. I, I do not even consider that he did not. You don't go up against the monarchy. You don't go up against King Ahab and Jezebel and 850 false prophets. You don't go up against them and then take them out if you don't trust that God is with you. You don't even try. He trusted God. But sometimes there are things that get hurled at us, flung at us, dropped on us. And we need to know how to get back to that position and that place of trust in the Lord. The trust that keeps you going, the trust that says, I'm going to keep going no matter what. I'm going to follow you no matter what. I'm going to be obedient to you no matter what. I believe in this passage, there are three things, three key things that Elijah does that lay the groundwork for us in how we face situations and circumstances like that, decisions that need to be made. Three things. Now, again, we know Elijah was exhausted and frustrated and fearful, and he needed encouragement. He needed a word. He needed, he needed a renewal of his spirit to be able to go and keep doing anything that God called him to do. He needed, he needed a word. Now, here's the thing. When, oftentimes when we read this portion of Scripture, when I've read it before or when I've heard it preached before, uh, oftentimes we emphasize the fact that Elijah was running away from Jezebel, that he was fearful and he was running away from Jezebel. And we look at that and we think, how is that even possible? Given all the things that God has done, all of the ways that God has shown himself faithful, all the ways that God has spoken through Elijah, all the ways that he has come through, and he just came through again in a very huge and and undeniable way, how is it then when this threat comes from this woman, is it that he just runs away? Is he a coward? That's usually what we start to think, right? But rather than focusing on who he's running from, could we make note here of who he's running to? Who is he running to? It doesn't matter who he's running from. Who is he running to? Where did he go in the middle of all of this? 
Elijah runs to Mount Sinai. Some translations would say Mount Horeb, same place, just in case you were wondering. Same place, the mountain of God. This is a place that historically is known for the presence of God showing up, for his power showing up, and for his word to be delivered, and and for direction to be given. Remember, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments, full direction, full speaking, This is the place where God shows up, and this is the place where Elijah ran to. He ran to God's presence. And in the face of hard circumstances and decisions and struggles that we face throughout life, the question I have is, who are you running to? Who are you running to? Don't let the focus be on what you're running from, but who are you running to? That's the first thing that Elijah lays the groundwork for, the first thing we need to do. Will you run to him first? Will you run to him? Where do you find yourself going when you're in a tough situation or when you're uh, fighting fears or concerns or uncertainty? Where do you go? Where's the first place you go? Is it, is it social media? Is it, is it uh, Instagram? Is it, uh, is it the news? Is it other people? Is it whatever it could be. There are so many things out there, so many voices constantly speaking. What voice do you run to when you're in a situation? Where do you go first? Who do you run to? Elijah shows us the first thing we need to do is get into God's presence. Get into God's presence. Now for us, that doesn't mean an actual physical mountain. I'm not telling you to take a little trip to Banff or to Jasper and run to a mountain and go seek his presence there in a cave for a couple of days. That's not what I'm saying. We know that in Ephesians 3.12, it says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Anywhere we can get into his presence. We can seek him wherever we are. Psalm 91 verse 2 says, This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. I trust him. He's where I need to go first. He's where I need to find my refuge. He is my safe place. He's where I need to go. Okay. Run to him. Then what? Then what? What do I do when it feels like there's a fire raging around me or it feels like the wind has picked up and it's trying to shove me in a direction or shove me towards something or shove me through th- things or, or, or when uh, it feels like the ground is shaking and unstable under me and everything feels uncertain and unknown? Now are you willing to wait through all the noise to hear his still, small voice. That's the second thing that Elijah does. He's on that mountain, and there is a fire, and there is a wind, and there is an earthquake, and he waits through all of that, and it's not till the still, small voice of God comes that he steps out of that cave to listen. 
Are you willing to patiently wait through all of the noise to hear his voice and instruction? Psalm 62, 1 to 2 says, I wait quietly before God for my victory or for our purposes right here, my answer, my direction, my leading, my decision comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. They listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They follow me. Now, one of the best ways to hear and learn his gentle voice is through his word. He speaks through his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, Everything in the scriptures is God's word. All of it is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. When you read his word, which, by the way, I highly encourage you to read his word. You know, we've been doing, just as an aside, uh, these Bible reading plans. We've got a whole bunch of people, hopefully a whole bunch of you, a part of reading these plans. Right now we're going through Psalms and Proverbs, and it's just so amazing. One, to get into his word and be really intentional about it, but one, but two, to know that we're doing it all together and also to, to read comments and see what God is speaking to people through his word. It's a beautiful thing, so if you haven't joined it, I highly encourage you to jump in. It doesn't matter how late it is into the plan. Feel free. Jump in any time. He will speak to you in his word. And, I, and I'm saying this, uh, I'm emphasizing this because I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove it uh, a little bit later when I finish my story. I'm going to show you that he will do that. He will speak to you through his word. After Elijah sought God's presence, he saw God's presence, and after he listened and he heard God's still small voice, then God gave Elijah very clear, very clear instructions on what to do next. The instructions were to go back the way that he came. Well, that sounds fun. Let's do that. Let's go back to the place where I'm being threatened. Let's go back to the place that is pure terror for me. Let's go back to the place that just sounds real terrible right now. Let's go back there. That sounds good. And yet Elijah obeyed. And you have to ask, why? What changed? Why was he able, how was he able to go back the way that he came in spite of everything else going on? Here's what I think. I think Elijah's encounter with God's presence and his voice was enough to empower his obedience, an obedience that came out of a revival of trust. His trust was renewed. His trust was revived. He got a word from God. He was in God's presence, and so he could obey. So he could obey. That's the third thing. Elijah shows us. Will you seek his presence? Will you listen for him and to him? And will you obey when he speaks? Do you have a heart? Even if he hasn't asked you yet, is your heart in a position where it's ready and willing to go, do, think, speak, whatever he says to you? Luke 6.49 says, But anyone who 
who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Obedience is what keeps our feet from being shaken. Obedience to him after we've spent time with him and we've heard his word, we can be obedient, we can be confident because he's called us and he's spoken and we know it so we can obey. Obedience leads to supernatural provision and protection. Look at Noah. Hebrews eleven seven. It was by faith that Noah built a, a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. Obedience leads to supernatural provision and protection. Obedience also leads to supernatural direction. You can just ask Abraham. Hebrews 11.8 says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. How can you do that? Obedience. Obedience leads to supernatural direction. So the three questions that I have for you today are, will you run to him? Will you listen for him? And will you obey him? Which ultimately comes back to the question of trust. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? You need to know today. I, I want, if, if you don't hear anything else, what I want you to know today is that God is not hiding. He is not silent. He is not absent. He wants to meet you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to direct you. He wants to walk with you. And here's where I'm going to pick up in my story, my journey. So, God calls me, um, I have a question, I, have, I need an answer from him. He calls me to fast, he calls me to do 48-hour, two-day fast, right? Going into that, I hear God say one question, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Okay, here we go. I also asked him for a couple of things, one of those things because I really, 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 really wanted to know that I know that I was hearing from him. As I asked him, I said, God, would you, would you give me a dream? That's a random thing to ask. I know. I don't dream or remember my dreams a lot. So this, again, would be very, very clear. I said, God, would you give me a dream? Would you speak to me? You want to know what happened that night? I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream. Now, this, this, it, it's going to get better, trust me, okay? So I had a dream, and my dream was I dreamt about fire. Oh, <laughs> so exciting. Not an answer. I didn't get an answer in a dream. I dreamt about fire. Okay, God, that's bizarre. What are you trying to tell me? So where did I go? I went to the Word. I said, God, if you're trying to tell me something, I'm going to line it up here, and you're going to show me what you're saying. You want to know where he took me? 1 Kings chapter 19. He's not in the fire. He's not in the wind. not in the earthquake. He's in the still, small voice. Okay, God. I had a dream. Dreamt about fire. Great. 
now what? <laughs> Who are you going with this? I mean, that, 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 that's just a small portion here. Where are you going? Then I noticed, because I usually check, I noticed that the next day was calling for wind. Turns out the next day was a really windy day. Okay, well, you could take that any which way you want. Maybe it was something, maybe it was not. But here you go, you have fire and you have wind. Great. But God, what are the chances of an earthquake? What are the chances? Now, here's a full disclaimer for you, okay? During these two days of fasting and praying, I was also completely off social media and I was not connected to news or hearing anything. I was basically oblivious to everything else happening in the world, okay? The day after my fast, do you want to know one of the first things that I saw when I hit social media again? Brad's going to help me out here. He's going to put it up on the screen. Day two of my fast, there was an earthquake that hit Alberta that people felt in Edmonton. Fire, wind, earthquake. Okay, Lord, you have my attention now. I'm listening. I hear you. Apparently, thank God I'm on, I'm on your wavelength. I'm listening. I'm listening. What are you saying to me? What do you want to say? Do you trust me? You want to know the craziest part of all of this? It's not what I just showed you. The craziest part is I still don't have my answer. I still don't know, but you know what? It almost doesn't matter. And here's why. The answer I thought I needed the most wasn't what I thought. What I needed most was to get into God's presence. What I needed most was to hear his voice. What I needed most was to get my heart into a place of complete submission and, and, and obedience to him. What I needed was my heart to change. What I needed was for my trust in him to be revived. I needed to trust him no matter what. the thing. He didn't answer my question, but now I can answer his. He asked me, do you trust me? Huh. Yeah, I do. Sure do. Because I know that I know that I know that he spoke to me. I know there beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm hearing him. And so I know that I know that I know that I can trust whatever he says in his timing. this quote that has no author listed, but I, I love it. It says this. Man says, show me and I'll trust you. God says, trust me and I'll show you. 
Trust me and I'll show you. Trust me and I'll show you. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Will you trust me? So what I want to do today is I want to ask you the same question. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? If you're walking through something, if you are facing decisions, if you are facing fear, if you are feeling overwhelmed, if just COVID and all the craziness of of this season has you so up and down and up and down that you don't know where you stand anymore, you don't know what to do, what's happening around you, would you seek his presence? Would you listen for him? And would you be willing to obey whatever he says? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? I think in this day and age and and, and all the craziness around us, we need to be known, church, as a church that trusts Jesus. No matter what. That we are known for the fact that we trust him. No matter anything else that's going on around us, we trust him. And so what I'd like to do today as the team is here, we're going to worship a little more together. I'm going to invite you to stand. But what I want to do is I want to make an opportunity for you to seek his presence, to come before him. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus, but I'm telling you this, he wants to speak to you. And he will. I know. He will. So what I want to do is while we're worshiping, I want to I want to just make the altar open for you. You can stay in your seats, but but if you if you need a word from God, if you need encouragement from God, if you need direction from God, if you need peace that passes all understanding from God, I'd invite you to come forward. This is your moment to seek his face, get into his presence. And can I tell you, I can't say it enough, he wants to speak to you and he will speak to you if you would just come, if you would just come. So we're going to worship together. And again, I invite you, the altar is open if you want to come and just get into his presence. Thanks for tuning in to the Saints Church Podcast. We hope that this sermon blessed and encouraged you. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can head to saintschurch.ca for more service times and locations, as well as more online content. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.